the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Now, the following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. I surrender all. Oh, I surrender all. And all to Thank you. 
when you pray, go into your room, and when you've shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathens do, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Therefore do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I pray that today will not be offensive to you, but will open for you a way of praying that today will open for you the secret prayer closet where you need to go if you need a real answer from God. What I'm going to describe is not going to be easy. It requires great honesty of heart. It requires great vulnerability. And it requires great compassion and self-sacrifice. Now, I don't know what happened on this particular day with the disciples were not told. All we're told in Luke, the 11th chapter, is that it came to pass. In other words, it happened. Jesus was praying by himself. And after he finished his prayer time, he came to be with the disciples. Now, I don't know if on that morning he looked different than he normally looked. I don't know if the disciples in this outdoor place were, were preparing food for breakfast, if the women who followed Jesus were there and they were helping around the fire. I don't know what was happening. I just know that when the disciples looked at Jesus, they saw something different. And that prompted them to say, Lord, 
Would you teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples? I have prayed that prayer so many times. Jesus, teach me how to pray. I'm still learning. I want to show you some of what I've seen and how I've learned to pray. And so he gave them the Our Father. I remember as a child, that's where I became acquainted with the Our Father. As my father would finish his prayer in front of the congregation, and then he would say, and now let us pray together. And he would begin, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And the whole congregation would pray together. Sometimes in our personal prayer time as a family, we prayed together out loud every morning and every evening as we gathered for worship. Sometimes in the evening, my father, after I had prayed, because it was father first, mother second, Roger, oldest brother, first, and then Don, my middle brother, and then finally it was my turn to pray because I was the youngest. And sometimes after I finished my prayer, my father would begin, and now, family, let's pray together. Our Father. And we would pray the Lord's Prayer. But on this occasion, they saw something that triggered in their heart. I need to I need to learn how to pray like Jesus prays. How do I do that? And so the Our Father is a model prayer. And I use it as my model. Praying to Our Father, not my Father. We're family. I pray Our Father. And then I I pray the one in heaven. I want to be specific who I'm praying for. I'm not praying to our father, the devil. He's not my father. He's an enemy. And then I pray, your kingdom come on the earth, even as it has come in heaven. And I then begin to move out of the Lord's Prayer into the model. And I begin to pray, Lord, I'm asking that your will would be done in my life, even as your will is done in heaven. That's the most dangerous prayer a man or woman can pray, asking that God's will be done in your life. It means you've utterly given up all control of your life. You are saying, Our Father, would you come and be in charge of my life now, and would you direct and order my steps? I will only go as you direct me. 
Let your will be done in my life. Let everything that touches my life be according to your will. And he does that. Again, it's the most dangerous prayer a man can pray. Because no longer is your life going to be given to chance as if it ever were. You're not going to be able to create and direct your own life. You're asking the Father, our Father, to direct your life. Which means that in the family, would you do what is best for my life? Will you direct my life according to your will in the family of God? And I pray that way all the way through the Our Father. It is not a rote prayer for me, and it is not quickly prayed. I have spent many hours praying the Our Father. I have spent all night praying the Our Father. When he has given them this prayer, he then begins to instruct them. This is Luke, the 11th chapter, verse 5. I've taught on this so many times, but I have, I have missed the most important part of this passage. I want to correct that today. I frankly have never seen it before, not in a way that it sank into my mind and my heart and my consciousness, not in a way quickened by the power of the Holy Spirit, he said to them, Who from among you will have a friend and will go to him at midnight and may say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, since a friend came to me from a journey and I have nothing that I will set before him. Now, this man has friends show up late in the night. They're tired. They're hungry. He has not known they were coming and he had no preparation made for them. I wonder if Jesus is speaking this out of his own personal experience where his family was all settled in bed. And Joseph suddenly has guests come and he has nothing to feed them and he has no money. And he has to go out and knock on the neighbor's door. Well, this man knocks on the neighbor's door. You can hear it now. So loud. So loud. The neighbors hear it. They don't have their homes all shut up with air conditioning. The neighbors hear the pounding on the door. And they begin to shout, Hush up out there. We're trying to sleep. You're bothering our children. Stop it. 
pounding continues. The man inside is awakened. He's not happy. He says, You must stop causing me trouble. Stop it. Be quiet. Go home. I have nothing for you. Stop. Stop. You're disturbing my children. Literally, the text says, You must stop causing me trouble. The door is already locked and my children are in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. Stop. Go away. The tension is high. Haven't you ever been in bed at night and suddenly your doorbell rings? And you say, oh, come on. Who can that be? Who would dare come to my house at midnight? Who would dare come and ring my doorbell and then ring it and then ring it and ring it? And I'm saying, stop! I'm in bed. I'm tired. I say to you, even if he will not get up to give him because he's his friend, at least because of his shameless persistence. After having been awakened, he will give him as much as he needs. I can see this man. He wants three loaves of bread. I can see this man shoving four or five loaves into his bread. Go away. Go. I, I want to go to bed. I'm tired. I've worked all day in the fields. I need my rest. My wife. Honey, who is it? Who's knocking on our door? Who's awakening our family? Who's disturbing the neighbors? Tell them to go away, honey. This is the scripture. Did you miss it? I say to you, even if he will not get up to give him because of being his friend, at least because of his shameless persistence. Shameless persistence. Won't take no for an answer. Everybody is angry. Everybody's upset and disturbed. Why is this man waking the whole neighborhood with his pounding on our door? Enough! Stop it! Go away! And so I say to you, you must keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. Have you ever prayed this way? Have you ever gone to our Father? Oh, this wasn't during the daytime. 
you could understand during the day you're just interrupting his family meal or you're interrupting his work inside or but at midnight when the family's all tucked in and sound asleep and then comes the pounding on the door shameless shameless I want to say something to you and then I'll explain polite little prayers are said for public show or for our own comfort but they don't reach heaven's door it is shameless prayer that reaches heaven's door. You must stir up heaven with your prayer. Remember I said you must become absolutely honest. You must embarrass yourself. You must shamelessly go to God and cry out to him. Now I want to catch one more point before I go in depth with this. He was not praying for food for himself. Had it been for himself, he would have just gone hungry the rest of the night, and the next day he would have sought some food. No, he was he was praying for another person, another family. He wasn't praying for himself or his family. He was praying for another family, another person. Shameless prayer. Why would anybody care that much about somebody else? Why would why would he be bothered to embarrass himself to awaken the whole neighborhood? to cause people to be very upset with him the next day? Why would he do that? Because he had compassion for this hungry family and their children. And he was embarrassed that he could not answer his own call, for he had no food in the house. I recognize that I have no food in the house to feed you today. You've come perhaps hungry to this broadcast. I have no food to feed you. And so I have been shamelessly in the presence of God, shamelessly praying for you, asking the Lord for the bread of life to feed you. The bread of life that would quicken your heart. The bread of life that would humble your heart. Pride stands in the way of shameless prayer. Shameless prayer requires that we give up our pride. 
and see the great need of another and begin to cry out to God for them because we know if we don't, they will starve to death. They will be swept away by Satan. They will be destroyed by the enemy. And our hearts moved with compassion for this dear soul who, if you don't pray for them, who will pray for them? And so we get down and we we say, Lord, I pray for Bob today. I pray for Mary today. Lord, bless them today. Are you kidding me? That prayer did not go through the ceiling of your room. Oh, Lord, here's my list of everybody I'm, I'm needing to pray for. Would you just go ahead and bless all of them? What do you have with Jesus that would cause him to do that? Do you think your shallowness will cause God to answer that kind of prayer? Do you think God is a Santa Claus that he just goes around giving good gifts to everybody who, who's been good and not naughty, but been nice? That's not how it works. Our casualness with God, our pride, thinking God is our servant and we can ask him and order takeout for brothers and sisters and for pastor and for this person and that person. How are you going to pay for it? Prayer is one of the most costly things you can do. Prayer will cost you, yea, even your life. Do you know how to pray? You can pray the Our Father and then say, Oh, I prayed the Our Father. And it didn't touch you. It didn't change you. It didn't move you to tears. It did not touch your heart. Really? Do you think that's going to touch God's heart? If it didn't touch your heart, do you think it will touch God's heart? I tell you, no. You might as well have saved your time and gone to work and earned some money because your prayer didn't get to the heavenlies. Your prayer didn't go higher than your ceiling. Prayer that reaches God is expensive prayer. Prayer that reaches heaven touches the heart of God must first touch your heart if you want Jesus tears to be shed for your brother or your sister or your mother your grandma your husband your wife must first touch your heart If it doesn't touch your heart, it won't touch God's heart. Most of the prayers that I hear prayed in church and among people are empty, foolish prayers that are not heard in heaven. Oh, God hears every prayer. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. 
prayers ascend with the incense. The incense is to cover the stench of our death. When you pray, it will require your death, your crucifixion. Prayer is not a casual endeavor. You don't shoot arrows of prayer at God and hope that he will be struck by your arrow saying, Oh God, I need some money. Or, oh God, I need this. Or, oh God, would you do that for me? Thank you, Jesus. Would you go do this now? You're my servant. Thank you for taking care of all of my things. Are you kidding me? This kind of prayer might as well not even be prayed. For it's only going to cause us to have some therapeutic benefit to comfort our own hearts, but it doesn't touch God's heart. If you're going to touch God's heart, you're going to have to become shameless in your prayer life. I want to talk about what happened in another incident. I want you to see this. It's it's very telling. Moses is up on the mountain with God. And God says, you better go down, Moses. Your people have become corrupt. They've become wicked. So Moses turns and he goes down the mountain. He has the two tablets of stone written on by the finger of God with him. He reaches Joshua as he's going down the mountain. And Joshua can hear the noise of the people shouting. He said to Moses, sounds like there's war in the camp. Moses said, no, it's not the sound. It's not the sound of victory. It's not the sound of defeat. It's the sound of singing that I hear. Moses approached the camp and he sees the calf, the golden calf. He sees the idol of Egypt's prosperity. He sees the dancing. And he's angry. He's so angry. He throws the tablets out of his hands and they break into many pieces at the foot of the mountain. Saying, You've broken the covenant with God, you're under judgment. He immediately goes and he has some men with him and they tear down that calf. They grind it to powder. They burn it. They scatter it in the water. And he makes the Israelites drink it. And he says to Aaron, What did these people do to you that you led them into such great sin? Oh, don't be angry, my Lord. You know how prone these people are to evil. They said to me, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what happened to him. So I told them, 
whoever has any gold jewelry, take it off. And they gave me the gold. I threw it in the fire, and, and out came this calf. Liar, liar, your pants are on fire, Aaron. Moses sees the people are running wild. Having a, an orgy. He stands at the entrance to the camp and he shouts, Whoever is for the Lord, come to me. And all the Levites rally to him. He said to them, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Each man strap a sword on his side. Go back and forth through the camp from one end to the other, each killing his brother, his friend and neighbor. The Levites did as Moses commanded, and that day about 3,000 of the people died. Then Moses said, You've been set apart to the Lord today, for you were against your own sons and daughters, and he has blessed you this day. The next day Moses said to the people, You have committed a great sin. But now I will go up to the Lord, and perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. So Moses went back to the Lord, and he said, Oh, what a great sin these people have committed. They have made themselves gods of gold. Now, please forgive their sin, but if not, then blot me out of the book of life you have written. Lord replied to Moses, Whoever has sinned against me, I will blot out of my book. Now go lead the people to the place I spoke of, and my angel will go before you. However, when the time comes for me to punish, I will punish them for their sin. And the Lord struck the people with a plague because of what they did with the calf. Now, that's not the whole story. The rest of the story is given to us in the book of Deuteronomy. I don't know how to even begin to describe this. On several occasions, when the people grievously sinned against the Lord, Moses went to intercede. The Lord said to him, I've seen this people. They're a stiff-necked people indeed. Let me alone so that I may destroy them and blot out their name from under heaven, and I will make you into a nation stronger and more numerous than they. So I turned and went down from the mountain while it was blazing with fire. Found the people in their sin. And then once again, I fell prostrate before the Lord for 40 days and 40 nights. I ate no bread and drank no water because of all the sin you've committed doing what was evil in the Lord's sight and so provoking him to anger. I feared the anger and wrath of the Lord for he was angry enough that you, with you to destroy you. 
But again the Lord listened to me, and the Lord was angry enough with Aaron to destroy him. But at that time I prayed for Aaron too. He said, I lay prostrate before the Lord those 40 days and 40 nights because the Lord had said he would destroy you. I prayed to the Lord and said, Sovereign Lord, do not destroy your people, your own inheritance that you redeemed by your great power and brought out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Overlook their stubbornness, their wickedness, their sin. Otherwise, the country from which you brought us will say, because the Lord was not able to take them into the land he's promised them, and because he hated them, he brought them out to put them to death in the desert. But they are your people, your inheritance, that you brought out by your great power and your outstretched arm. That's Deuteronomy, the ninth chapter. Now I want to go back into Exodus 32. Moses has gone before the Lord. And he prays for 40 days and 40 nights. He is shameless in his approach. He pleads for the life of his people. He pleads for the life of his precious brother Aaron. And then he makes this most amazing statement. Oh, what a great sin these people have committed. They have made themselves gods of gold. But now, please forgive their sin. But if not, then blot me out of the book. Blot me out of the book of life that you have written. And God heard Moses. Now he was angry with them and he said, Okay, but I'm not going to go with you. And Moses had to go back once again and shamelessly plead with the Lord. Moses said to the Lord, this is Exodus 33, verse 12. You've been telling me, lead these people, but you've not let me know whom you will send with me. But you said, I know you by name and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember, this is after 40 days of crying out before God. This is after offering his life for the people. Who have you offered your life for? The Lord said, my presence will walk with you and I will give you rest. 
Moses says, if your presence doesn't go with us, don't send us from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you've asked, because I am pleased with you, and I know you by name. How did God know Moses by name? Oh, he had heard Moses for 40 days and 40 nights crying out to him. He had seen that he had heard the shameless prayers of Moses for his brother and for his people. I've been praying. I've been praying this way for a person who's precious in my heart, who's full of rebellion and anger and bitterness. I've said, Lord, Take my life, but give them life. I've never said that before. It took me to a new place of just weeping and crying out before God. And then I began to pray that way for for our city for our Washington metro area. I'm nobody. I have nothing. But I can shamelessly knock on the door of heaven. I can, by my shameless persistence, cause such trouble in heaven that the angels will say, Father, you better listen to him. He is he is continually knocking on our door and he's making a fuss. And we're tired of hearing it. Would you please answer him? Do you hear what I'm saying to you? Do you care enough about anybody to say to the Lord, Lord, if you can't save that person, take my life and give my life to them. Now the Lord will say no to that. He can't do that. I know that. But it's the heart that matters where we finally say, look, I can't, I can't live this way. I can't live without this dear one. I can't, I can't live watching my brother die. That's what Moses said. He knew Aaron was going to be killed by the Lord, and he said, Lord, I can't do this journey without my brother. God heard him. Do you care enough about anybody to be that shameless in prayer? This is what's required of us if we're going to be heard. I can pray all kinds of prayers 
but I've learned that until I become shameless in my prayers, my prayers will not be answered. And I'll tell you, very frankly and very honestly, what I'm really struggling with. You've heard the story of revival in various places that I've shared. Tommy Hicks praying, healing President Perone of his eczema. You've heard me talk about the Welsh revival, Evan Roberts. You've heard me talk about Azusa Street and the great revival that moved and opened the Pentecostal movement in America and the world. Probably more people came to Jesus Christ and were saved through the Azuzu movement of Pentecostalism than any other move of God in the history of the earth. When Azuzu Street began, it was in a hotbed. What do I mean? Well, many people were praying for revival and many people were humbling their hearts. Many people were persevering in prayer. Many people were shameless in their prayer, begging God for an outpouring of his Holy Spirit. The whole country was ready for something to happen. That's not true today. Today our country is hurting because of the COVID-19, but we're a long ways from being ready to really pray earnestly and seriously and ask God for the pouring out of his Holy Spirit. And so I come. He says, if, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father from heaven give the Holy Spirit to the ones asking him? And I'm asking for that Holy Spirit. And I'm saying, Lord, if you can't give me the gift of the Holy Spirit, please just end my life. I'm finished. I can't go any further. I need your Holy Spirit. I need the Pentecost power of proclaiming your word. This nation is dying. This nation is in such trouble and we don't even know it yet. Businesses are closing. Commerce is shut down. We're going into the greatest depression in the history of the world. You don't think so? You watch. We need the Holy Spirit. So I am shamelessly in the presence of God. Embarrassing myself and those who pray with me. Praying that the Father would give the Holy Spirit according to his promise in Luke the 11th chapter. Do you pray like I'm describing today? Or do you pray just polite little prayers of row, row, row your boat gently down the stream, merrily, 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 life is but a dream. Now I lay me down to sleep. 
Or do you really pray? And do you really get honest? And are you shameless in your prayer? Lord, I come unbidden into your throne room. And I shamelessly ask for the life of this city. I shamelessly ask, O Lord, for the precious ones you've put on my heart that I can't even be public about. I come asking for the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, for I am weak. I don't know how to say what needs to be said for the salvation of this city. Lord, I wait upon you. In your holy name I pray. Amen. Well, we're out of time. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. Friday, we'll pray. I urge you to join me on Friday for a day of prayer from 1 to 2 o'clock. I'm also standing by faith for the money to pay for the radio broadcast. I thank those of you who have already contributed. Thank you. Write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia. Two two one nine five, or go to our webpage. You can give online at nationalprayerchapel.com. Nationalprayerchapel.com. I love you, my brother. I love you, my sister. It's time for us to be shameless in our prayer. It's time to lay our life down for our brothers and sisters in our city and cry aloud to the Lord. God bless you today. I'll talk to you soon.